once. While Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and they were washing their nets. Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered him, Master, we've worked all night long but have caught nothing, yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they'd done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, He fell down at the knees of Jesus, and he said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. When they brought their boats ashore, they left everything and followed Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. I usually read this story and others like it that we find in other Gospels, like Matthew and Mark, the fishing for people stories that many of us have heard. I hear those as being most of the time about evangelism and about outreach and about growing God's church. I like the image of Jesus teaching the crowds. I'm always inspired by the nets full of fish and that promise from Jesus that from now on, you'll be catching people. The whole image of fishing is one that most of us understand as an analogy for bringing others into the church. And the state of the church these days, in these pandemic days, I mean, make this gospel story as timely as ever it would seem. Consider with me for just a minute some statistics about the church in the last couple of years. Only 52% of churchgoers want primarily in-person worship anymore. 71% of those people are baby boomers, but less than 50% of those people are Gen X, Gen Z, millennials, and younger that want in-person worship like this. In 2021, only 29% of Americans reported attending church when they were asked if they'd been there the last week. In 2009, 48% of people said the same thing. I've seen reports that say churches are back to anywhere from 36% to 80% of what they were before the pandemic started in terms of attendance and participation and membership. 30%, 80%, either way, it's a pretty sharp decline. So what in the world are we doing, people? How can we do it better, people? How can we make it more meaningful than it's been in the past? Because the truth is, the decline in church attendance and participation was happening long before any of us ever learned about or heard of COVID-19. The pandemic just 
accelerated these trends that were already happening in the church as most of us understand it to be. But rather than wring our hands or cry in our fair trade coffee, rather than point our fingers or continue to fish in the same old waters that we're used to in the same old ways that are familiar to us, I think we are being invited to ask some different, bigger, more faithful kinds of questions about all of this. And I think we can start by finding some answers and some inspiration when we look at what Jesus is up to and what he is not up to in this morning's gospel. See, Jesus, when he hijacks that boat, you notice he stole a boat. And he pushes off into the water that day from the shore in Galilee. He just teaches. Then he tells Simon, who'd been fishing all night long with no success, to cast his nets into deeper water. And in spite of Simon's reasonable doubts and pretty serious insecurities, Simon catches so many fish that his nets can barely hold them all, and then they start to tear and to rip. And he catches so many fish that he has to call for backup from his pals in the other boats. And as they bring all those fish together in their boats, the weight of it all, the weight of that catch is so great, the boats actually begin to sink. What's great about this story And where I find the lesson for me and for all of us in the church, capital C Church and Cross of Grace, just the same, is that Jesus didn't actually do very much of anything that day. He did some teaching. Maybe it was a sermon. Maybe it was a study of scripture. Maybe he told them another proverb or a parable. We don't know for sure. He offered some advice in some direction, get out into the deep water. He gave a command, let your nets down there. And he made him a promise. From now on, you'll be catching people, people. But what stands out to me in this first encounter with the first of his disciples is that Jesus let them do all the work. But unfortunately, while Jesus got things off to a really great start way back then on the lake of Gennesaret and on the shores of Galilee, it's not the way the church has continued to operate in too many places. Think about churches where you've been a member before. Were they congregations where the pastor preached all of the sermons? Were they places where the pastor visited all of the sick? Were they congregations where the pastor was expected to meet the needs of the people, to make the members happy, but to not make too many waves, please? Were they places where 20% of the people did 80% of the work? It's a pretty common stat for church people. Were they places where you and most others were expected to just show up on Sunday morning for worship and for special occasions like weddings and funerals and maybe for the annual church picnic and pretty please come to the annual church meeting? Unfortunately, I think that's the way that the pandemic over the last several years have forced churches to operate too much of the time. 
And all of this is the stuff of congregations who have members that want to be taken care of, congregations who want to be served rather than to serve, congregations full of people who come to church looking for what that church has to offer them rather than wondering about how that church might inspire them to offer themselves to the world. And all that is the stuff of overworked lay leaders, burned-out clergy, and dying congregations with dwindling numbers. That is the stuff that leads to conflict and to struggle and to stagnation and to decline. It's why so many people don't want to come into churches for in-person worship, because that energy stinks. This is not who we've ever been at Cross of Grace Lutheran Church, and I don't believe it's how we are called to be ever in this place either. It's why we've always been deliberate about calling ourselves partners in mission here instead of members. I said in a recent letter about our building fund, the church is not a country club. Cross of Grace is not a homeowner's association. And discipleship is not like membership at the local gym. And I believe that mentality, that theology really, is what has sustained us until now and what will keep us alive and well and thriving in the days to come. So I'm not interested in, nor do I think churches should give two rips about, making or collecting or catching members. I think our call at Cross of Grace these days and always is to consider more meaningfully again what it means to be partners in mission instead and to wonder what the implications of that has, what it could have, what it has had on our life together in the days to come. I'm not saying we've got it all figured out at Cross of Grace, or that we've perfected the art of discipleship by any stretch, but our history and our experience tell a different story from what is going on in a lot of churches out there, and I'd like to keep it that way. I would bet today's offering that our team of musicians and Stephen Jordan are as faithful and as talented as any you will find in any congregation anywhere. And as volunteers, volunteers, they are partners in mission in every sense of those words. Thank you. We are partners in mission, too, who still mow our own lawn, who still clean our own toilets, who still shovel our own snow around here. We could use some more snow shovelers and toilet cleaners, I'm not going to lie, but... We are partners in mission who do those things for ourselves and with each other. We are partners in mission who prioritize our financial stewardship, too. Who encourage each other to give joyfully and generously to the ministry that belongs to all of us because practicing generosity is as good for the church as it is for each of us as God's people. I hope our nearly eliminated mortgage is a sign of an invitation to more of that for all of us.
Our up-and-coming Stephen ministry is an exercise in mission partnership, too. Because it's a team of faithful disciples who will share real, meaningful, lasting pastoral care with others in a way that too many people out there in the world and in other churches believe only the pastor can or should be allowed to do. And none of this, big picture, none of this, the worship, the music, the Bible studies, the building, none of this is supposed to end with us anyway, remember. It's all meant to inspire and to send us out to love and to care for and to serve the world because this mission partnership thing isn't about fish at all. It's about people. Catching, serving, loving, and getting to work for and with God's people. And so the statistics that matter most for me, and more than all that church membership stuff right now, are these. That nearly 2,000 people are homeless in Indianapolis in weather like this. That almost 30 million people in our country had no health insurance in 2020, the year the pandemic hit. Teen suicide attempts are up during these pandemic days, 51% for girls and 4% for boys, ages 12 to 17. Black people make up 38% of our country's prison population, but only 12% of our country's population as a whole. Something's wrong with that math. And one more black man was killed in an apartment while sleeping on Wednesday in Minneapolis, too. These statistics matter more to me because I believe this is the kind of thing Jesus called us to do something about when he invited us to catch people. To gather up to tend to those who need food, shelter, love, and justice. Which is hard, heavy, overwhelming, uncomfortable work for which I feel ill-equipped and out of my league to carry out most days, and for which we're outnumbered, frankly, if you do the math. But it's why I wondered a new thing this time around about this whole fishing for people analogy that we think we know so well. What of the fish in Simon's nets today aren't the analogy or the metaphor we're supposed to focus on at all, at least when it comes to growing the church or gathering up followers for Jesus? What if by catching people, we're supposed to focus more on Simon's fishing buddies The partners, as the gospel calls them, in all those other boats like James and John and whoever else showed up to help him that day. What if we're meant to realize that there are plenty of hearts and plenty of hands on deck waiting to join us in work that really matters and that it's our job to put those people to work with us? It was the people The people who got caught up in and who got changed by following Jesus after all, all those fish in the nets just became dinner.
I believe all of this is about showing the world and reminding each other that we are in this together. That we have good news to share, every one of us. That we have plenty of love to give, you and I. That we all have something to offer for the sake of God's kingdom, no matter how broken or sinful or unworthy or unprepared we think we may be, because we have been offered already, each of us, the joy and grace and good news and new life in Jesus Christ. And this mission partnership thing can only be done when we start to see ourselves and to see our neighbors like Peter finally did that day on the shores of Galilee. As curious souls, however sinful and broken, but called and capable nonetheless. And I'm convinced that others will want to join us when we step into deep waters ourselves, when we cast wide nets ourselves, maybe when we leave a thing or two behind every once in a while ourselves, and when we invite anyone who's willing to help us to get their hands dirty too and to follow Jesus' lead in a way that's new and different and better for a change. Amen.